Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today, listeners, I've got a lovely guest. Her name is Morgan Chonis. Did I pronounce that right, Morgan? Yes, ma'am, you did. <laughs> and a very warm welcome to you to the Hearts Entwined podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And Morgan is a Reiki master. She's a spiritual teacher and a new author, I believe. That's right. <laughs> wow that's it's exciting isn't it when you become a, a new author for the first time yes it is I'm still very much in the like now what I don't know what to do with my hands <laughs> <laughs> lovely because uh, it is a bit of a mission isn't it to to actually complete a book it does take time oh absolutely it's been it's been such a joy I had no idea what what this process would look like it was nothing like I anticipated but it's just been so rewarding. Yeah, I can concur with that, having done it myself. So <laughs> I understand what you're saying and why you're saying it. So in today's episode, we're going to um, look at how to get back to your sacred sexuality and also discuss your six buckets of self-care around that particular topic. So I'm really excited to get stuck in. Uh, before we do, though, Morgan, I'd just like to ask you, would you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how you got to be doing what you're doing now? Absolutely. Um, I was very much grew up in the good girl model of what my my societal conditioning taught me that I should be and what it meant to be successful as a woman. And so I built a really big, beautiful life for myself. Uh, I was living bi-coastally in California and in Brooklyn. And I was producing a huge events and I just, I loved my life and I had this big, beautiful life, but I was miserable and I was doing everything for everybody else. I had, you know, I, I, I had been so trained to put everybody else, everything else before myself. And I had nothing left to give, you know, that's why they say, put your oxygen mask on first on an airplane you know, I knew that intellectually, yes. but I still, I still put everything else first until I truly had nothing left in my tank to give even to myself. And so I got really depressed. You know, I had all of on the outside, I had all the shiny things, right. You know, all the things and stuff and the money that we think will make us happy. Well, it, it doesn't. And I, at least for me. And so I got to that point where I was so depressed and miserable that it all crumbled and I was actually suicidal. And that's a lot of what I write my book about is a lot of it is me speaking my voice for the very first time. And so in terms of, of masculine and feminine energy, so much of this is what a lot of feminine, not, not women, because we all have both, but a lot of wounded feminine is this idea of repressing our voice and our needs and so I really believe that this is part of healing, especially coming back to our sacred sexuality, like we, we were going to talk about today, but I just got so down 
and I didn't know what to do. No one taught me what to do when I truly was not okay. Cause it was never not okay. Right. Mm-hmm. To be yeah. not okay. Yeah. And so for me, I just kept building and building and building. I owned three businesses. I, you know, I had all the things and stuff, but I didn't know what to do with myself. And so I just kept going and going and going. And I just kept digging myself deeper and deeper into this hole. And so my spiritual experience really came once I hit my bottom. Um, and I was already five years into sobriety at that point. And so, you know, my biggest bottom of my life, I would say was, was in sobriety. And so for me, hitting that bottom was really that spiritual experience that really shook me and shook me enough to like, really let my whole life crumble so that I could learn to rebuild. And so that's what I talk. That's what I talk about in my book is my book is written in three parts. It's the conditioning part two is the crumbling and part three is the Phoenix. Wow. Love it. And well, congratulations, by the way, on your sobriety. Thank you. That's excellent. So talking about um, sacred sexuality then and how, how you get back to your sacred sexuality and uh, your six buckets of self-care. Talk us through um, what the buckets are then, Morgan. Sure. So I've got six buckets and this is basically what I've broken down to what I would consider self-mastery. And so in my opinion, coming back to our sacred sexuality is really a wholeness back with ourselves and all of that divine energy that we are. And so for me, I have that broken down into six buckets. I have one is pampering, which is, which is what you would typically think of with self-care. So I have your routine pampering and then luxurious pampering. And then I have the mental health bucket the physical health bucket, what I call a fuck it bucket and <laughs> self-pleasure. So those are the six buckets that, um, that we talk about. And so in each of those, your, your pampering bucket, that's kind of what everyone would think about when they think about self-care. So that's mani petties, that's taking care of yourself. Um, and so when I break it up into luxurious pampering and routine pampering, that's like, uh, you know, you don't have to have a special occasion to use the good bath bombs uh, at your house, no. or the salt bath, <laughs> those sorts of things. So those would be the routine pampering. The luxurious pampering would be something that maybe costs a little bit of money or time that you would go out and you wouldn't necessarily do all the time. So maybe that's brunch with girlfriends or going and getting your hair done, any little thing that's kind of outside of your routine. And so each of these things I envision are kind of breaking the mold of whatever your current standard is. Cause obviously if we're trying to go back to our sacred sexuality, we're trying to change something, right? So all of this is to change your current patterns. And then in the mental health bucket, this is really looking at what are you consuming? Technology, um, your, how you're speaking to yourself. Um, And then the spiritual health, this is everything from meditation, any sort of spiritual work, whether that be breath work, uh, sound bowl healing, all of these things that are different energetic modalities to your traditional mental health therapy, right? So that could be um, one of my favorite things is sound bowl healing. I'm a Reiki master also, so I do a lot of energy work, but when I think about my particular buckets, 
I like to do things outside of what I normally do. Yes. And so sound for me is huge. Breath work is huge. And really <clears throat> anything that can get you out of your current physical state back to homeostasis. So some people think of meditation and they're like, oh, I could never. Well, really all meditation is, is stopping long enough. Just to be still. Just to be still, even if that's a breath in and yes. a breath out. That's meditation. You yeah. know? And so that's, that's something I love teaching about myself is, is it is that simple. You don't, we have this common misconception that you have to be absent of thought. Well, no, you just need to be still and present. And so I like to use the analogy that you wouldn't go up to the highway and watch all the cars drive by and grab onto someone's side mirror and go where they're going. You could just stand there and you would observe and be like, wow, there's a lot of traffic today. <laughs> yeah. And you, that's, that's how I like to think about my thoughts when I'm teaching about meditation is you don't need to grab onto them, but you can just imagine that they're, you're the observer and they're just all passing along their way and you allow them. You don't need to attach onto each one. Trust me, if you've got a grocery list of things, uh, you know, crossing your mind, they'll still be there when you're done. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, you know, if you've got a lot of mind chatter that sort of gets in the way of you trying to be still, you know, understand that that's normal too, you know, um, totally. it, it takes just a, takes a little bit of practice, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's okay. You know, I think that that's what so many people get hung up on is that they have to be completely absent of, of any thought, but I don't think that's true at all. No, I mean, sometimes you you um you i mean for me quite often my meditative time is uh, in the shower mm -hmm. you know i just like to relax under the water and um for me water i don't know whether it's linked to any particular planetary activity or zodiac signs or whatever, but i am a water sign anyway so but i am sort of true to that sign <laughs> and i i do feel that water it's like my fountain of youth in every respect, you know, whether it's having a shower, whether it's drinking water, whether it's swimming or whatever, or just listening to the ocean. I just love water. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, just standing under the shower um, is just for me like a meditative experience. Absolutely. And for me, one of my, my greatest places is while I'm driving. I love going on road trips. And for me, that windshield time, I get so much clarity and so it doesn't necessarily have to be, you have to go sit cross-legged on a meditation pillow, you know, whatever it is for you, do you take the train to work? You know, for me, I personally, and this is just how I, how I learn and operate is I do better if there's distraction noise, and then I can really kind of, uh, focus loosely on, on where I am and what I'm doing. And so for me going on a road trip, if I've got something to really work through, mentally or something like that I'll get in my car and I'll go for a drive and that windshield time just clears my mind mm, love it yeah that's a great example definitely so what comes after spiritual health we have our physical health so this is what you know we would commonly hear about diet and exercise and I really love to encourage people to find stuff to do that brings them joy I always advise my clients, check in with your body. And what that means is, does this actually bring you joy? If you're not somebody who enjoys running on a treadmill or running outside, don't do it. You're not, <laughs> going, 
you're not it becomes a chore doesn't it rather than a pleasure right right and when we're talking about self-pleasure and and sacred sexuality we want we want a juicy life you know we want all of these things that bring us joy and make us feel delicious and juicy and sexy and if and if that's pilates for you or yoga or walking you know maybe you have a dog and that brings you the most joy and you get the majority of your exercise walking your dog and you're just out in the world and you're smiling at people and that could be so juicy and delicious for you you know i encourage people to figure out whatever that is for them i was always a weight trainer i i was a, i grew up as an athlete i <clears throat> you know i i loved to do work really hard in the gym right and then I never, ever, ever was the kind of person who'd be like, oh, I love doing yoga or this or that. Well, someone introduced me to Pilates. And to me, Pilates is the perfect workout because it's so targeted to each individual muscle, but it also has the mind and the breath mm. involved. And it's like, I never would have given it a chance. But my, I came home for the holidays last year or two years ago, I guess now. And my mom had bought me a pass to join her at the studio. And I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like, I'll, I'll entertain you. <laughs> Humoring her. I, yeah, I, was, I humored her. And I, within the first class, I fell in love with it because it had the breath work, you know, so I was mindfully aware. It had the workout I was looking for. And it just, it ticked all the boxes for me. I never would have known had I not gone with her. But when I talk about like finding your thing that really does it for you, for me, that's Pilates. Mm, yeah, I agree with that. I've done Pilates and was very much like yourself, you know, into a lot of hard physical exercise, you know, and yeah. getting to the point where I almost want to throw up, or throw <laughs> up and then feel good because I did, because I knew it bloody worked hard. Right. <laughs> After right. that beast. <laughs> but like you say, you know, um, for me, I was introduced to Pilates and I enjoyed it too. <laughs> before that, I, I actually did a class. I would have probably poo-pooed it the same. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be something that's structured. No. Do you, do you love to dance? Mm. Like anything that's going to move your body, when we can move our body and change our physiology that way is when we reconnect, especially as women, when we can move our body, move our hips, we, that's the fastest way to drop back into our, our sacred divinity right there. So putting on some music, whatever will make your hips move. And my, it's my favorite thing to do when I cook dinner. I cannot cook dinner in silence anymore. If I'm cooking <laughs> dinner, I've got, I mean, whether it be dance music or saxophone and jazz or, you know, whatever it is, Spanish music, like anything that will make my hips move, I'm on board. And that's still, that's still another way of moving our physical body. Absolutely. And it, I think for most women, you know, I don't think I've met many women that don't enjoy dancing in some way, shape or form, even if they're a bit self-conscious about it. You know, you don't necessarily have to do a public display of it. Like you, you suggested, you could just do it in your own time and space in the kitchen. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, I think that's the best place to start because you can really let loose. You'll learn a lot. Here's my challenge to, to our listeners is, is go challenge yourself to do a little dancing in the kitchen. You will learn a lot about your comfort level within your own body. If dancing in the kitchen is hard, 
then I definitely suggest these six buckets of self-care for you to take a look at, because I think that that's the fastest way to learn how comfortable we are in our bodies is our ability to dance with ourselves. And what would you suggest to somebody that might be listening that might find that a bit of an issue and a struggle, just doing it for themselves in their own space, even though nobody's observing them, they're just conscious and probably self-conscious and not comfortable in their own body? I would say really, first of all, allow yourself to set aside any judgment and guilt of like, oh my gosh, I look so silly, or I don't like how my body moves or, or anything like that. And really drop into your body. And when I, when I say that, I mean, stop what you're doing. You know, if you're cooking, put down whatever you're doing and come back to your breath and put a hand on your heart and a hand on your belly and really feel yourself breathe into your body and realize like there's a heartbeat in there. That's miraculous. Like we truly are miraculous beings. And so if we can just take a moment and drop back into that appreciation for what incredible beings we are, even just showing our body that little bit of gratitude is beautiful. And so if you're feeling, if you're, if you're one of us who's maybe a little self-conscious about dancing or moving your hips or something like that, really just showing your body that appreciation is a beautiful place to start. It certainly is. I don't think we're really aware of um, probably what hang-ups we are carrying uh, until we do a little exercise like that, you know, sort mm-hmm. of you suggested about, you know, just dancing in the kitchen, uh, even with nobody observing what you're doing, how, how conscious you are of your body and um, whether you feel comfortable or not about moving it's incredible, isn't it, to, to think that um, we could literally stop ourselves in our tracks just by our thoughts around even thinking about doing something like that. Absolutely. And so in that moment, once you're able to reconnect with your body, think about, okay, where is this discomfort coming from? Are you, are you worried? Did, you know, um, did someone laugh at you so one time at a wedding or something? Well, you know, Check it in. Where, where did that come from? And is it even yours? And what I mean by that is, is that something that your brain has been conditioned to believe? Or is it something that someone else put on you? And if it's something that someone else put on you, you can ask yourself, is this ultimately true? And usually the answer is no. Especially if it's something that, you know, we've been societally conditioned to believe. Usually the answer is no. And if it's something that you're believing about yourself, follow that train of thought a little bit further. And okay, where is this coming from? Did, Did, was there an experience in childhood, perhaps where you may have been embarrassed, or you were letting your full freak flag fly and somebody on the playground laughed at you? You know, when as adults, we can often see that's really a reflection of them, not us. But that can be so detrimental as a young person. Absolutely agree. I can give an example of that myself. Um, uh, my mum regularly called me a clumsy clot as a kid. And so what did that, you know, ultimately mean to me? Because I did embrace that label to some degree, even though I wasn't mm-hmm. consciously embracing it. I became more accident prone and clumsy and um, 
obviously that label kept getting reinforced, not just by her, but, you know, even when she stopped using that phrase and once it left home, I used it on myself. Mm-hmm. Blaming myself with it. Exactly. Uh, I was I was called Lady Grace growing up. <laughs> oh, lovely. That sounds better. <laughs> Lady Grace. Yes. So that that grace uh, has never been my strong suit either. And but I can see how it translated into adulthood, you know, just just as you were mentioning. And so any sort of act that we can come back into our body and show ourselves that appreciation and that love, like we did a few minutes ago, putting one hand on our heart and one on our bellies and just breathing into our bodies. Those are beautiful acts of acknowledging our love for our body and ourself. And then maybe, you know, if we stay there for a few minutes, maybe we just allow our hips to sway or our shoulders to sway a little bit. We don't need music. We don't, we don't ever need music. We're beautiful, powerful women. We don't ever need music. We can, we can dance to the beat of our own drum. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But I would say, you know, that's, that's so very telling, just like we had just, just, just mentioned about if we're able to stand in the kitchen just with ourselves and move our bodies, how much that that can tell us about where we're at as far as our our sacred sexuality and our self-mastery. It's a beautiful place to start. (laughs) (laughs) So anything else you want to mention around the physical health before we move on to your next bucket? No, I think that one's pretty self-explanatory. Again, just finding something that just feels so juicy. That's my favorite word is like, I want anything in my life to be juicy and delicious. And so if it's not for you and it's torture, try something else. (laughs) This is supposed to be pleasurable and enjoyable uh, and and bring joy to our lives. So if it is so miserable, please don't do it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I love the word juicy myself because like you say, it does conjure up pleasurable thoughts and images in my mind too. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I keep, I keep going back to this image that I, I feel like that there's just somebody out there listening who's, who gets the most joy from being outside and walking their dog. I just imagine them with this little dog and they're walking down the sidewalk, just smiling at everybody. And it just brings them the most joy. And if that's your thing, yes. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? You never know what repercussions that smile at uh, somebody can have, energetically, you know, to that person that uh, has received that. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's probably like that one person, because she was out walking her dog and just living her best juicy life. You know that that one smile is probably the one. If you follow the ripple effect, you know she smiles at the one guy who you know stubbed his toe on the way to work and missed the bus and you know this and that and that and then it it's just beautiful and that's all it takes is a smile yeah i i am very much more conscious these days of uh, being more appreciative of everybody i come into contact with in terms of what energy i exude and you know Mm -hmm. whether that's exchanging a smile at the checkout you know when i go to the supermarket i always look for the name label and always say you know, thank you very much and use their name and, uh, you know, wish them a nice day. And you can see, you know, that's probably really lit some people's lives up because they probably had a miserable day up until that point. Yeah. I, what I like to do is I always, as they start to engage, 
I'll always like stop whatever I'm doing and ask how their day is going. And people are always so surprised by that. They're like, me? You know who I am? Yes, of course. You're a human on the other side of this transaction or this interaction. And, and they're just like, wow, well, thank you so much for asking. And it just changes their whole energy. You just see it change. Oh, yeah, you do. You can see it, the, the, the sparkle in their eye. And the, I, I do find with if you go to regular um, supermarkets where they've got the same stuff on the mm-hmm. till, they remember you. Yeah. You know, and they, 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 they really appreciate, you know, that you engage with them. Exactly. And that's, and to me, that's walking into the world as our juiciest selves, like in our sacred sexuality, in all of it. It's not, it's not all, it's about sex. It's not about sex. It's you're the person that they remember carries themselves that way. You're that bright light. To me, that's what it looks like in, on the outside. As Marianne Williams says, some said, you know, um, if you shine your light, you give other people permission to shine theirs too. 100%. Absolutely. Which is why we're doing this. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. So that anyone listening, we get to, sh- I, I showed up here with you today. You had me as a host so graciously on your show. And that's really the intention. You know, can we give somebody else permission to shine brightly? to dance silly in their kitchen and, you know, live their life a little juicier today. <laughs> that expression, I'm going to embrace that one myself, I think. <laughs> Still that one from you, Morgan. Absolutely. Please do. Please do. Uh, the next bucket that we have is what I call the fuck it bucket. So you may have heard, <laughs> you may have heard your bucket list. Uh, I call it a fuck it bucket. And what I mean there is, These are the things that you would not normally do in your daily life. So this could be things that you have wild aspirations of doing at some point in your life, or even something just totally random. So for me, some things that I have on my bucket are, I had write a book. So I just one, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wanted to dye my hair purple, which I just did. I wanted to shave (laughs) my head, which I just did. And um, I wanted to uh, snorkel at the Great Barrier Reef. I want to lay under the stars, under the northern stars, and go camping. And so these things that could be big things or little things, but it's just allowing us to continue to have that sense of wonder and that childlike joy of adventure in our life. And so it's one thing to make the list, but the point is to also cross things off of it. And so that's really what the fuck it bucket is, is like, what are all of these things that you want to accomplish by the end of your life? I don't even like using the word accomplish because that still feels like it's got to be goals that we're working towards. It doesn't, but just what's anything that we really want to do before we die? Experience. Perfect. Yes. Thank you. Anything that we want to experience. And so uh, I actually wrote a whole section in my book about my fuck it bucket. And so I need to update mine now because I've accomplished a lot of it. And I've ticked a lot of boxes this last year. So uh, that was one nice thing during uh, this pandemic is it gave a lot of people an opportunity to do things a little differently. Yes, it certainly has, hasn't it? Yeah. And I think, you know, everything is meant to be, even though there's a lot of fear 
around what's happening in the world now I, I mm-hmm. personally feel that you know it's it's here for a reason to teach us lots of lessons and uh, there's going to be an upside well there is there is upsides you know we can still live with 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 peace with joy with juiciness and zest and a smile on our face regardless of what's happening in the world can't we absolutely and even right now we're sitting here together on zoom and this was not as prevalent as it was two years ago, you know, and we can connect and we can meet with people all over the world at, you know, the snap of a finger, basically. That's incredible. It is. Yeah. The wonders of technology. It makes you wonder what's going to be around in another 20 years or so's time. I can't even, I think about it sometimes. It makes my head hurt. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. Not my, not my lane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what about you? Is there anything you can think of that you would put on your bucket bucket? Definitely. I, I want to um, go to the Olympics. I, mm. I love the Summer Olympics. So mm-hmm. um, I'll be, I'm based in Europe. So for me, you know, um, probably one of the European cities would be a good destination to, to, to make it easier for me, I suppose, to, <laughs> to travel to, especially if this the COVID situation is still going to be prevalent. But uh, yep. yeah, I, I'd love to use it as an excuse to visit another country that I've never been to as well. Incredible. I love that. Yeah, that, that's, that's always been something I'd love to do. Um, I'm just, um, just a big, huge fan of the whole Olympics and all the events and all the different sports and uh do you yeah. have a favorite um I, I feel track and field is my favorite i'd have to okay. say yeah yeah amazing well good now you have now you know you can call it a bucket bucket and you can add whatever you need to in there and then start ticking things off <laughs> <laughs> most definitely i enjoy it all though to be honest yeah enjoy it all yeah because um, I have to say that GB do quite well you know, normally. So um, we've got a lot to cheer for normally. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. It's so cool how something like the Olympics can bring so many people together. Even, you know, even in the location, but it's probably one of the most watched broadcasts throughout yes. the year. Yeah. I didn't get to the London 2012. I was in Spain. So... Oh. <laughs> I missed the home, the home, the recent home one in the last decade. uh, (laughs) Yeah, very enjoyed watching it. (laughs) Well, if the goal is to witness it and see other countries, then you've got more opportunities coming, I'm sure. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. Well, and then the last bucket that we have is self pleasure, and this is something that I think is so important to talk about because it's often so very taboo. And I think one of the best most beautiful ways to reconnect with our body is through self-pleasure. And that doesn't necessarily mean sexually as only, you know, this could be a bubble bath. This could be what kind of clothes are you putting on your body? You know, are you, are you picking the most affordable thing over comfort or do you ever put on a silky robe that just takes you to another place? You know, so it's not just self-pleasure as far as sexually, but what I love, especially teaching women, is this idea of self-pleasure for self-care. And we talked about the dancing in the kitchen. And so if you're 
someone listening who's incredibly uncomfortable by this. That's totally fine. But I love, love sharing about this because I think it's so important. And so one, one thing I love to share with women is using crystal sex toys. I, I, we don't have to go, maybe that's an, an episode for another day as so we can talk about all, could talk about sex toys for an hour. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> just reconnecting with our body mm. in a way that shows us that it is safe to feel pleasure. And a lot of us have stuff in this area, right? You know, maybe we've got trauma or we've got a past experience that is less than, you know, enjoyable to, re- to remember. And this idea of reconnecting with our body, that it's safe to feel pleasure mm. really amplifies then all of these other buckets that we've been talking about. And so if you, I, I feel that this bucket is the most important because when we continue to do this work, as far as sexual self-pleasure, it really allows us to give ourselves permission to live an even juicier life in these other buckets. And so if we have a trauma or a thing around our sexual pleasure, then beginning to do this work, and this could be, when I say doing this work, could be a variety of different things. If you've got a sexual trauma, uh, perhaps, then maybe there's some additional outside help that's needed to kind of help you in this area. Or is it just beginning to explore your body? Is it by, is the starting point in exploring your body by dance? Mm. You know, beginning to see what that, maybe that's a beautiful place to start. You know, if you were that person who was a little uncomfortable there, maybe that's a great place to start. Another is mirror work and taking that time. And maybe we're uncomfortable with our bodies and taking that time, looking yourself in the mirror every day and having a conversation with your body and with yourself and telling your body how much you love her. And, you know, all these different areas of your body that you might be uncomfortable and identifying why, you know, are you uncomfortable because you grew up in a society where, you know, magazines told you, you had to look like this with no curves and you have voluptuous, delicious curves. And that's just what society conditioned you. Is it ultimately true that that's what beauty is? No, but we're so conditioned and we're so sold on what this idea of beauty is, you know, do you have traumas around that? And you can spend some time in the mirror with yourself, having these conversations and really digesting these points of discomfort and seeing where does this come from? Because most of the time it's not ours. Is it something that your maybe your mother said, or is it something that society had, has conditioned us to believe? Because we don't have to carry that. To be responsible for, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately it's our responsibility to determine which of those thoughts are we willing to carry forward or not? You know, are we willing to be the victim or are we willing to live a juicy life? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's easy to fall into victim mentality, you know, when we've, like you said, you know, about being bombarded by the media with images of mm-hmm. the so-called perfect body. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. especially today, you know, a lot of those perfect bodies are airbrushed, don't they? <laughs> yeah, it's not even real. Yeah. And you can look at some of these celebrities, you know, and uh, you can tell that even they have, um, you know, issues around how they look and how they see themselves. 
even though you'd look at them and think, wow, they're so gorgeous. Exactly. And it's, you know, everybody's got their, their battles and their demons. And oftentimes you see people that have these, you know, maybe they have this perfect figure and then it comes out years later that maybe it was a result of substance abuse Mm -hmm. or drugs or, you know, all these other things where nothing's ever as as it seems. Yeah, the eating disorders. Yeah, exactly. And so if we can begin to come back to our bodies and learn what our things are, you know, for me, it was the thigh gap, right? It was this, the space between your thighs. I grew, up playing, <laughs> yeah. I grew up playing soccer. And so I always had these big, strong thighs. So that was never a reality to me, but I was never overweight or anything like that. But I had this idea that like, I never had this thigh gap like everybody else did. And I'm like, now looking back, but that is something where like, I would look at myself in the mirror and I would judge. And so if I think about where did that come from? It's like, okay, well, this is, this was the the model at the time when I grew up, you know, in the eighties and what, what was beautiful and is it ultimately true? No, I was strong. Like these legs that I had came with a purpose and I was good at it, you know? And that's how I would do that mirror work with myself. And I would look at myself and I would say, no, that's not the type of person that you are. You're beautiful because you're strong. And these are the legs that you have because you trained for 15 years as a soccer player. And that I would also determine that, well, like me, because I was quite, you know, um, physical, physically active as a child and you know my thing was swimming um and so I've got broad shoulders but it always mm-hmm. weighed a lot more than my my friends and so I was all self-conscious about my weight but I wasn't fat you, you had muscle yeah you were probably all muscle <laughs> exactly and uh, so I don't subscribe to the um, BMI or whatever they call it index no 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 nor do I <laughs> But I, I could go on, I could go on and on about the self-care or the self-pleasure bucket because I think it's so important. But the ultimate goal is coming back into trusting that you deserve pleasure, whatever that means to you. And the deeper we go into this work, the more it translates into our lives. So I imagine it like the ripple effect, like we were talking about earlier, is the more we can trust we deserve pleasure Mm -hmm. the more areas of our lives we will give ourselves permission to feel pleasure to receive pleasure and that's the goal (laughs) love it thank you that's the goal (laughs) (laughs) thank you morgan Uh, so what what is the name of the book that you've um written it's called unravel the bullshit Unravel the bullshit. And as I mentioned, it's written in three parts, which is the conditioning. Part two is the crumbling and part three is the Phoenix. And so I've written it in such a way that it's part memoir, part self-help so that I, one thing I've learned in my recovery program is that when I can vulnerably share my heart and my experience, that has a greater chance of somebody else grabbing on and being like, oh my gosh, me too. 
And so I've really intentionally written it that way to be very vulnerable and raw of my truth in the hopes that there will be somebody else out there who can be like, oh my gosh, I totally know what you're talking about. I've totally had that experience. Excellent. Really love that. So Morgan, any, any final words be, of wisdom before we bring things to a close? I'd really just say that if any of this has brought you any sort of discomfort today to really take a couple minutes and sit with that and reconnect with your body and see where that comes from rather than dismissing it or say like, Oh, this is, you know, bollocks. This is not for me seeing where this discomfort is within your body. And where did, you know, if those are thoughts that are coming up, where did these thoughts come from and really start to examine because as we can, kind of demystify these limiting beliefs is really where the work is. And we, as we know now, you know, as we can come back into our bodies more and more and give ourselves more permission, that's that permission to receive pleasure. That's when we really get to live our juiciest lives. So I would say, don't let discomfort deter you. Let discomfort point you in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, inspire you to, 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 to change that. Absolutely. So for the benefit of our listeners then, Morgan, what is your best contact information? I am always on Instagram. So you can find me on Instagram at Morgan Chonis. Last name is C-H-O-N-I-S. Lynn will have all that in the show notes, I'm sure. Yes, will do. Yeah, definitely. Put but please feel free to connect with me and message me on Instagram. Excellent. Well, like Morgan just said, I'll make sure all the contact information is in the show notes as well as the uh, book name and in, in, in links to Morgan Chonis's information. So it just leads me to say that uh, thank you so much, Morgan, for sharing all your insights and wisdom today. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So listeners, it just leads me to say that true love starts with opening our hearts. So until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group, Two Hearts Entwined, or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn, or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.